This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. When the researchers look at burnout, they really see some interesting things happen. And one of the things that's important to pay attention to is the relationship that you have or the feelings that you have toward the people that you're taking care of. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and other big feelings. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way, and I'll even tell you what to say. So now that we're at this place in the pandemic, I think one of the words we've been hearing a lot is burnout. It seems pretty unrelenting. We're hearing it a lot from healthcare workers and educators and parents. It's this reaction you have actually to caretaking, which is something I think is helpful to talk about. So are you talking about burnout within the context of parents and their kids? Or are you talking about burnout in the context of adults and their work? Probably both. And I would say burnout particularly, because it is pretty narrowly defined in a lot of places. What is that narrow definition? Is that it is based on profession. Okay. And it used to be when they talked about burnout, they were really focusing on measuring burnout in healthcare and in educators. It's gotten broadened a little bit to also be included in any job or any occupation you have where you're responsible for others, Mm. and also any occupation or job where you are in a position where you have to get something done, and here's a key part of it, you don't have a lot of control over your schedule or over the way that it's done. It's not about working hard. That's the interesting thing. It's not even correlated to how many hours you're working. It's correlated to whether or not you have any autonomy in the job that you have and whether or not you feel like you're doing something meaningful, but also that you can contribute to the way that it's done. The key when they talk about burnout is that it's relational. So when you're talking about like what you're doing and you're trying to serve other people and to get their needs met, it really is relational because you're not getting the feedback that you need or you're not getting the support that you need. It feels like a one-way delivery. You're not getting things back. It's important to think about that in terms of if you are in a position in which you are in a caregiver role, this research has been around for a while that's kind of interesting, is the impact that it has on our immune systems. They did a study a while ago where they took people in a caregiver role. They really wanted to look at the stress of being a caregiver. And so they decided to really focus on people who were taking care of a family member with Alzheimer's. That was one of the most intense and draining relational situations that they could find because you don't get a lot of feedback. It's not interactive. But they would take a device that gave a burn on the person's arm, a small burn on the person's arm that was like a cigarette burn. That's what it looked like. 
And then they would give the same burn on somebody's arm who wasn't in that caregiving role. And they looked at how those wounds healed. And it is amazing to look at the photos. They would look at after two days, after four days, after a week. And the level of impairment and healing on the skin was so dramatic. You think, how does that impact your ability to stay healthy? How does it impact your ability to heal? How does it impact your ability to function? The results are pretty dramatic. We talk a lot about what do you do that's making it worse? I ask that question a lot. What do you do that makes your depression worse? What do you do that makes your anxiety worse? And one of the things when we're talking about burnout is that it really is important to look at the environment. And one of the things that happens when people say, oh, I'm burnt out, the employer might say, well, that just means that you're too weak to handle the job. Or that just means that you're not up for this. And so it becomes a real indictment of the person's stamina, the person's resiliency. And what we know when they look at burnout is that it really has a lot to do with the environment. Like I said, this lack of control that people feel. It's more than just exhaustion also. So it's more than just feeling exhausted by your work. The other thing that really comes out, which is problematic, of course, if you're in a caretaking role, is this real cynicism that you have that you become really negative about or to the people that you're caring for. So think of what that must be like if you're working in a hospital, if you're working in a school, if you're in this caretaking role. And one of the ways that you sort of protect yourself and shut down is to start feeling increasingly negative and cynical about the people that you're caring for. And then, of course, you feel badly that you feel that way. It's a really powerful place to be in, and getting out of it involves actually seeking changes in your environment, which can make it even trickier. Well, we have a lot of people who listen to the show who are serving various roles in schools. I'm sure we have healthcare workers, too. I think you and I both would love to wave a wand and make all of them feel really replenished after how drained they are. Mm -hmm. What would your recommendation be if people are hearing this and it's really resonating? Well, the first thing I think is that if you're feeling burnt out, so if you're having these negative feelings, if you're feeling cynical about your work, that's something to pay attention to. It's not a personal failing. This is really pretty common right now. I mean, really, really common right now. And so if you feel like you're not capable of pulling up the compassion that you need or pulling up what you need to do your job, first of all, cut yourself some slack. I don't know if this is... (laughs) I don't know if this is going to help people feel better. I think it's going to be, they're going to be like, yes, I told you so. One of the things they look at is, well, what do employees try and do in order to help burnout? And what they find is they try and do these little band-aids. I hate to go on a rant about stress balls again, but we're going to give you stress balls or we're going to do this fun game or we're going to create a room where you can go and relax for 10 minutes or we're going to bring in bagels or we're going to make sure that there's delicious coffee delivered. All of those things are nice gestures, but they don't really change the pattern of burnout because what helps burnout is feeling as if you have some say in the matter. When your employer sort of comes in and imposes these things on you and says, these are the things that are going to make you feel better, that tends to make people feel even more pissed off. Oh, it's so true. My last gig in corporate America, it was like every cushy benefit to distract you from a completely incompetent management. Yeah, that's exactly what people feel. 
So what do you do? Well, I think if you are wanting to make a difference in your work environment, say you're in a position of management and you're listening to this, it's really important for you to hear what the people working under you want. And for you not to presume that if you bring in donuts or if you do this or if you do that, that that's going to make them feel better. Those are considered band-aids. They're the failing of a lot of corporate wellness programs, actually, because people didn't really listen to what the caregivers wanted, what the caregivers needed. So the first thing, if you're in a management position, is to really ask what they're looking for and then do your best to deliver it as much as possible. The other thing that you want to pay attention to if you're in one of these positions, and this won't surprise you based on what I've said a gazillion times before, is that burnout is really contagious. Say you're not feeling all that burnt out. Say you're like, all right, this is really hard, but you know, I'm doing a good job of putting up some boundaries between my personal life and my work, and I'm not letting it invade too much because that's a really important thing that you don't let your work invade the other areas of your life so much. But if you are hanging out with people that have already gotten to that place of being cynical and being negative, say you're in a good mood or say you're feeling pretty good about the work you're doing and they criticize you and they're like, oh, you're just young and naive or wait till you've been doing this for more years. You'll feel like us. Those are the people that you really want to stay away from. And those are the people that you really want to set boundaries with because this thing is contagious. Even though you're talking about it in a professional context, Mm -hmm. this is completely 100% applicable to parenting and our friends and our mom friends. If that mom is viewing the challenges of parenting from a more positive place versus a negative place, it's absolutely going to influence how you feel about parenting. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you deny, right? We don't want to go over into that place of toxic positivity where, oh, everything is great because it's really important for you to be able to talk about your challenges and things. I've had this happen many times before where people say, oh, God, two-year-olds are the worst. And I want to say, like, actually, my two-year-olds were really pretty delightful. I mean, challenging, but two-year-olds are amazingly entertaining if you allow them to be, right? You're still going to be tired and you're still going to, like you say, have this schedule where you don't have the autonomy that you want. But I hear that almost about every age. Like, I've heard parents say, like, oh, infancy was the worst or oh God, I thought it was the terrible twos. It's really the awful fours. People used to say this to me too. Wait until they're teenagers. Just you wait. It's going to be awful. They are terrible. And I really would push back against that a little bit. For one, I wanted to see how it would go for me, but I really worked hard to sort of enjoy and appreciate every stage of parenting. Not that it wasn't challenging, but I really worked hard to appreciate all the different stages. But those people that are just consistently negative, consistently cynical, consistently want to talk about how awful things are, those are the people you want to stay away from. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated 
in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook, you can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. And I think that when we talk about burnout, right, and you talk about that lack of control, on the one hand, we're really saying that it really is looking at the environment. It's really looking at the demands. I'm aware of this research, but I also want to say you have to pay attention to how you're buying in to the burnout culture around you, how it is that you have decided 
in kind of a negative way or sort of a hopeless way that nothing can change. And a lot of times when we're looking at burnout, when we're looking at teacher burnout, when we're looking at at healthcare provider burnout, when I look at my profession in terms of mental health burnout, it's sort of this learned helplessness thing that you decide or your experience has been for such a long time that nothing you do matters. If you are feeling that way, that's called learned helplessness. And what that means is that even when an opportunity presents itself, you won't take it which is a really interesting thing to pay attention to. So the more burnt out you are, the more hopeless that you feel, the more helpless that you feel that change is possible, the less likely you are to see opportunities when they come along. So that's something to pay attention to. You've been a therapist for over 30 years. You've learned to set pretty good professional boundaries. I'm sure you've had episodes of burnout though that you Mm -hmm. had to sort of manage and be thoughtful about. Do you feel like you were more challenged since the pandemic than other chapters of your life? Is it the content or is it the person? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm thinking now, I'm thinking about that. I think probably if I'd gone through the pandemic in the first part of my career, I think it would have felt very different than now. What did you learn now that has made this doable for you? Because I can appreciate most mental health practitioners, if they are new, I can't even imagine how trial by fire these last few years have been. Mm -hmm. So this is going to sound really counterintuitive. And I was just reading an article about this from a guy named Scott Miller. And he his whole thing is to look at the research about what makes a therapist effective. And I've mentioned him before in the podcast, Most of the therapists that read his research or that go to his lectures and hear him introduce these things don't like what he has to say (laughs) because the things that we think are really important, he's he's often like, yeah, no, no, it's not. But I was just reading something about this that he wrote. What he said, what this research showed is that skilled, experienced, what he calls master therapists learn how to care less about the outcome of their work and that they bring less emotional attachment to their clients. Now, I read that and I was like, what? What are you talking about? That's not what we do. But then I really thought about it. And if I think about the difference between when I was burnt out, when I was in my early 30s, and I was burnt out because when I got pregnant with my first son, people would say, Yay, you're having a baby. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, baby shmaby. The best thing is I don't have to do this job anymore. I mean, that's really how I felt. Like getting pregnant was the way out of my profession. And when I think about that, and I think about the way that I do things now, I care very deeply about my clients as human beings. But to be honest, I work hard not to get as invested in the choices that they make and the outcomes that they have. I'm very good at knowing the difference between what's my responsibility and what's their responsibility. And that's something that has come with experience. That's a boundary that I set. Boundaries in terms of people knowing me and, you know, my house is, my office is attached to my house. And if you listen to the podcast, if you're my client, you listen to my podcast, you hear a shit ton about me that you're not going to hear about in my office. And that's okay with me. But the boundary that I set that I think keeps me from being burnt out is that if you choose to do something, if you choose not to do something, I am not going to be as invested in that outcome 
as I probably was when I was 27, when I was 31. The phrase, I was too emotionally invested, Mm -hmm. is a common phrase used when we care too much. Mm -hmm. Caring too much is also a euphemism for shitty boundaries. Yes, it is, actually. Yeah, the important distinction you want to make is that I can care about somebody deeply, I can love somebody deeply, but not be emotionally invested in the outcome of their decisions. That's a tricky thing. Now, as a mom, am I as good as that? No, I mean, they're my kids. But with my clients, with my friends, I can care about them deeply, but not have my horse tied to their decision cart. Yeah. So if you're a teacher or Mm -hmm. if you're a therapist, Mm -hmm. I would think in healthcare, it's slightly different in the scenarios. But if you're a teacher or a mental health professional and you know what a certain teenager really needs, Mm -hmm. you can lead the water to the horse, but you can't force them to drink it. Right. You could also lead the horse to the water. You can lead the water to the the horse. (laughs) Sometimes the water won't come. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think that's really the difference in terms of dealing with what you need to deal with. And probably if we're, if we're talking about how do I prevent myself from burning out? And again, it's not like I don't get stressed. It's not like I don't take on too much, but I'm much, much better at saying, okay, well, I've led you to this water. I think it's really great water. I think it would really help you. And if somebody says, no, thank you, then I say, okay. It's funny, like if I think about in in the old days, way back when, if somebody wanted to change therapists or if somebody said, you know, it's not working for me or if somebody just sort of ghosted me, which we didn't even have that term back then that you would get ghosted, but somebody just sort of canceled an appointment and then didn't come back, I would take that personally. And now I look at my responsibility in it I assess my responsibility for it. There are certainly times when I feel like I haven't done what I needed to do, and I can certainly own when I drop the ball, but I also know when I haven't dropped the ball. I also know when it's not my responsibility, and I I let them go. And sometimes it really is actually true that they would be better off with somebody else. They want a different approach. They've heard everything that I could say. They're sick of the sound of my voice. Off they go. I wish them well. That's different than I used to feel when I was a baby therapist. Yeah. (laughs) For the parents listening, though, I still feel like this is so relevant to parenting Mm -hmm. because the truth that we cannot control the outcomes from our kids Mm -hmm. is a very difficult truth for some people to grasp. It's easier for other parents to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I'm saying, the difference between my work and my parenting is that I understand that concept in both areas of my life. I just think it's harder with your kids. It's easier with me in my job. And for some people, it's not easier in their job. Um, it's, it's, I think it's harder, but it's so, so important to recognize that their needs and their desires, and if we look at their choices or their path or their whatever, is different than mine, that's okay. It's hard, but it's absolutely important. Of course, you know, the flip side of that, If I guess if you want to say like the, the way to get burnt out as a parent is to be absolutely invested in everything that your kid does, to take it personally and to feel like you have to control the outcome and that if they do something that you don't like or they do something that's different than what you wanted them to do, 
that that devastates you, that that ties you up in knots. And I have a feeling several of those families have ended up at your office. Yeah, or are still in my office. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard, not right now, not in this moment. Like, you know, oh, excuse me, excuse me, Ruth, I didn't mean to talk about you when you're sitting here on my couch. Just ignore it, yeah. We'll get back to your session in a minute. I'm doing a podcast with Robin. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, that's absolutely, that's the hard message to give. I will also tell you that there are so many parents, and I bet a few of them are listening now. I hope you're listening now because I'm talking to you that you have done such incredibly hard work of being able to step back and let your kids figure things out. Absolutely. And you know who you are. And I'm so, it's so, so wonderful. And, And the relationships with their children have changed. The relationships with themselves, their health has changed. You know, remember, when you are in this burnout place, when you are totally committed And when you don't have good boundaries, and at the same time, you're feeling helpless and hopeless and negative and cynical, your whole body, your whole self pays the price for that. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath, and on the app, it lets you know if you are burning fat or carbs, and it gives you a tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. 
So how Lumen works is that you breathe into the Lumen device first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fat or carbs. And then Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals, so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. I love the extra data that I'm getting about my health right now. Because for many women of my age, as we are going through a long chapter of hormone changes, Lumen's helping me use my body's data to make the best choices. So your metabolism is your body's engine. It's how your body turns the food you eat into the fuel that keeps you going. And because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, and better sleep, which is key. So Lumen gives you recommendations to improve your metabolic health. So what is metabolic flexibility and why should you care? Well, the key to metabolic health is something called metabolic flexibility. We love flexibility at Fluster Clucks, and that's where Lumen really shines. It refers to your body's ability to efficiently switch between using different fuel sources like carbs and fats, and there are preferred times to use each, and how well you can switch places you on the metabolic flexibility spectrum. So after getting to know you through your breath, Lumen gives you a metabolic flex score that you can track and improve upon. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fluster to get $100 off Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N-D-O-T-M-E. And use Fluster at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Wow. I lived this uh, in my sandwich generation experience for a few years. Mm -hmm. And so everything you're saying is, oh, it's so spot on. Mm -hmm. I'm not in that place now because of the things that you just said. It took mm -hmm. me a long time to figure them out. But I it's can hard. imagine. It's oh, It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. But it comes back interestingly to your favorite mentor's advice ever, mm -hmm. which is learn what to take personally. And what not to take personally. Right. What impacts you personally versus what you need to take personally. So, of course, if you're a teacher, if you're a caregiver, if you're a parent, if you're in the sandwich generation, you know, whatever caretaking role you're in, things are going to impact you personally. And how do you learn to not take them personally? And I think, you know, the idea of this professional burnout is when people are in those places where... They really can't, they really can't get out of the role that they're in for whatever reason. That's really the setup that people are in. That's why I think so many healthcare providers right now are just feeling it. Yeah. I was just talking to a, a friend of mine. His wife is a nurse. And he said at this point in the pandemic, because, you know, the hospitals are still, you know, they're, they're full. The work shortages are incredible. They're doing everything to try and get nurses to fill the shifts that they need. They need bodies. I said, so there must be a lot of compassion fatigue. And he said, it's not fatigue. It's gone. He said, their compassion, their ability to feel compassionate toward a lot of the people that they're taking care of, he said, it's gone. So my most powerful night in the pandemic recently 
my daughter and I were at Disney World for the mm -hmm. 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And people were waiting for the fireworks on the 50th for Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. We sit next to this family on the concrete and we're talking and she's one of these traveling ICU COVID nurses. Mm, mm. So whenever up until that point, this was before Omicron, but up until that point, wherever there was a Delta variant hotspot where the ICs were getting flooded, she would then fly in and be back up. Wow. We had a very long conversation about the the emotional experience of her work. And she got to the point where I think that there is a bit of a numbness there. Mm -hmm. She said, everyone I treat dies mm. week after week after week after week in this way. And what was powerful was that like Disney is really all about how do I make adults cry? <laughs> that's mm. that's that's their business model. Mm -hmm. So the the show begins, mm -hmm. and I just watched her sob. I mean, no. just sob in the most intense way. Yeah. And knowing what her year had been, what they were coming for was to try and celebrate and do something happy. And I saw mm -hmm. her just let out so much of mm -hmm. this stress and this numbness and the walls and how exhausting that mm -hmm. must be. I know she wouldn't be listening to this, but I just, uh, my hats are off to all mm -hmm. of the nurses who, and the physicians and the PAs who've all had to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give a shout out too, because they're my people, the social workers that work in hospitals, because boy, they're right in the front lines. They're dealing with all of the emotional stuff. They're dealing with the after effects oftentimes. So if I were sitting with that nurse and that nurse was sobbing, I would really see that as a good sign. That numbness, it's called depersonalization. That's another real sign of burnout is that you just shut yourself down. You know, it's hard for people that are in these jobs that are so exhausting and so draining. They shut themselves off. This is more than boundaries. This is like I am checking out emotionally. And so then they go home and they're just not available. They've just disconnected. So if I were sitting next to that nurse and hearing what her job was and then watching her sob at the Disney stuff, I'd be like, oh, good. Let it out, girlfriend. That's what I would say. Let it out. Because that means she was reconnecting to a part of herself that she had probably disconnected from. That's wonderful to think of it that way. And yeah. I, I just think that a lot of the people who are listening here are going to relate to this. Yeah. Uh, on a meta point, this topic, when you dig deeply into what burnout is and how it demands so much from us. Mm -hmm. It's really coming back to how much energy we might be misspending in terms of trying to control outcomes. Mm -hmm. And trying to control outcomes is trying to manage uncertainty, mm -hmm. which is what we do. That's right. When we are anxious. That's right. This idea, if you think about, well, what's the real kicker is that for people who are in healthcare for people who are in education, we would like to say, well, you know, you're really going to stress out if you try and control outcomes and their job is based on controlling outcomes or their evaluations are based on controlling outcomes. No different than parenting. Yeah, no different than parenting. And, you know, I have to sort of recognize too that I am in a position, I am in a job where I want certain outcomes for sure. I know that I can't control outcomes. I work for my clients, but if I had a supervisor that was coming in and saying to me, what are your outcomes? Why did this person cancel? 
this person never showed up. This person didn't show up for their appointment. What did you do to get this person back? Oh my gosh, I think that would make my job so, so much harder. I think one of the reasons if you ask about how do I control my burnout, one of the ways that I control my burnout is that I don't have a boss. I don't have a supervisor. I don't have these measures that people are hanging over my head. I'm responsible for me and I'm responsible for the relationships I have with my clients. That's pretty freeing and it gives me a lot of autonomy. So even though my job is stressful, I am not in a position where somebody else is demanding certain outcomes of me. We've been talking about sort of dealing with your own burnout. And so maybe one good parting thought to leave everybody with is that when you go out to the world, when you're dealing with all these other human beings that are trying to do their jobs, make it a point not to contribute to somebody else's burnout. Oh, amen. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Let's all assume everyone is burnt out. And we know you probably feel that way too. And let's all try and be kind and gracious and appreciative and understanding and patient. Yeah, don't be the person that adds to somebody else's cynicism, to their numbing out, to their depersonalization. Don't be a part of somebody else's feeling of helplessness in terms of like, there's nothing I can do and I'm stuck in this place. Just pay attention to that because we have so many interactions with people that are dealing with this that don't have the ability to say, I quit. They, what they, they have to stay there and they have to take it. So don't dish it out and don't require that they take it. My sons don't really listen to the podcast, but I just, to my older son, I just want to offer um, an apology. I'm sorry that I was more excited about quitting my job than having you. That changed dramatically, but honestly, that was, <laughs> I did it, you know, I, so, so anyway, older son who shall remain nameless, I was really, I got really excited about having you. I wasn't like, yeah, I have this baby now and I get, yeah. So anyway, just so you know. I was just so psyched I didn't have to work anymore for a while. I think we can easily count on the fact that all of our listeners never include our own children. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.